Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again by my cartoonist who loves puzzles and co-host... Definitely Alex Dandino. That's right! The pod's still on the case! We're here cracking heads and gaining clues. We're like Scooby-Doo, but more hardcore. Uh, guys, as always, if you like the pod, which we hope you do, please take a second, leave us a rating and review uh, wherever you find the pods, especially on Apple Podcasts app. That helps us out a ton. Find us on all your socials. Uh, you know, send us ideas with themes, uh, movies specifically you'd like to see cover, things you'd like us to go to the theater. Well, we can't go to the theater anymore, but things video <laughs> on demand you'd like us to cover. Uh, we got a ton of free time, so we would love to chat movies with you guys. So uh, hit us up on socials, guys. And as always, you can now see our faces uh, on YouTube. If you're, you know, quarantined in, socially distancing yourself, you can still spend time with your pals uh, Griffin Dandino, virtually speaking, on uh, our YouTube page, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. We're never socially distant on the web, guys. <laughs> uh, that's very uh, virtuosity of you. That's how that movie started. And then we got Russell Crowe serial killing. True. Well, All right, guys. But from virtuosity to a much lesser film, Zodiac. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just get it. It's been my favorite thing is every week I take a couple haymakers at Zodiac just because I know people are going to get riled up about. And of course, you Fincher fans don't ever disappoint, man. You guys are like Bernie bros. Like you're just in it all the way till the end. Wait, wait. What is there to get riled up about? If you ever, it's kind of like, I found that Fincher bros and Nolan bros, right? Like if you ever talk about like Ooh. the king, Nolan bros, you can step in it a bit, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not at all trying to disparage David Fincher. What I was trying to say is I was really excited when you picked Zodiac. Right. Because I have so many people talk about this movie with such reverence. Uh, I even saw Guillermo del Toro. I was like, this is one of the finest films ever made. It's his best film. And I, I never really agreed with that, right? Like, it's one of those movies. I've seen it probably five times now. And I remember leaving the theater <laughs> as a younger man, just being like, what a waste of time, right? That was my first thought. You? Granted, if you know Get me out. and the movies I watch, right. Well, if you know the kind of movies I watch, that shouldn't be surprising that a young Griff was like, where's the tits and the eating of humans? I'm not interested. It's not surprising that an old <laughs> Griff would say that, let alone a young Griff. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> but <clears throat> as i've gotten older and i've actually watched this movie twice in the last year uh for some reason i don't know why i watched it before but we you know we had been talking about doing this i've come to appreciate it much more but it, there's always something that feels there's some kind of disconnect i have with this movie and even today it's just there's something that just never all the way sits with me i'm really glad and i think by i've the come way. full circle that I, okay, I, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I love that my choices for this month, by the way, you like, except for that one thing that just makes it unwatchable for you. Probably my favorite month that's, we've done so far. It's like... That's it, not what I'm saying. It's the best part about, like, so, like we watched Brick, and now this one, and it's all you... Every time we've talked about it, you're like, you know, it's great. <laughs> except for this one completely unwatchable thing that's just almost... It makes it nearly impossible to finish the movie. <laughs> okay, first off... Shut up. Oh, it's because you try to pick 
you pick good movies, all right? Like quote unquote good movies, I would as go uh, critics would say. And I'm like, all right, movies that take themselves more seriously and this and that, like let's use the more critical lens, right? Whereas something like this week, I found one of my new favorite uh, films, Hell Comes to Frogtown, right? It's Roddy Piper in the post-apocalypse has one of the last working dicks that can impregnate women. So he has to go with a woman like military group to free women uh, from a mutated frog village and get them all pregnant. Right. And I was like, yeah, I don't care what this movie does. I'm in 100 percent. I love fine. Right. Whereas some movies, they want to be serious. So I, I look at them as as they want to present themselves. You know, and I love Brick. I just think Brick being in high school is a terrible fucking decision. But I still love Brick. And, sure. and this is the thing. Today, I really appreciated Zodiac for so many of the things it did. But I don't know what it is. There's something that just does not click with me. Right? We talk about it on Letterboxd, right? You give it the stars for what you think the movie is. And my fifth star is a bit arbitrary, right? Half of the fifth star, if you want to be a perfect five-star movie. Will I watch this movie again willingly? The other half is, does it have that magic feeling? This movie to me still doesn't. And I think I figured out why today. And I think it's a, it's maybe just a filmmaking choice that we almost never see, which is this movie so specifically puts you in an unsatisfied position. And there's not really a way around that, right? So the movie... I think it's one of those things we never see a movie that's just okay with, you know, hey, we're going to work you up to this fever pitch and then just go, eh. And I, I don't think that's a, a flaw. I think it's how the movie had to be told, right? Because right? I think a lesser director would take this movie and say, here are specifically, yes, this, 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 you know, give well, us the Zodiac monster we crave. And this movie doesn't do that. Well, I think a lesser director would have just remade Dirty Harry. Like, Dirty Harry's fine on its own. <laughs> I actually, yeah, right. And, and I'm not saying that Dirty Harry's a bad movie, by the way. I want to be very clear about that. I, I like Dirty Harry. But a it's lesser. In, I didn't realize that was a Zodiac inspired movie until I saw that. Today. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. Well, yeah, Dave. It's like t- just one of those weird things that washed over me. <laughs> well, it's interesting too. Like they they like bring it up real briefly in the movie. Like at the very beginning, when Gray Smith sees uh, Dave Toski for the first time. Um, sorry, when Jake Gyllenhaal sees. Uh, fuck, what's that? Now I don't know the actor's name. When Jake Gyllenhaal Ruffalo? sees Mark Ruffalo wear his guns on the outside, he yeah. goes, "Whoa, he wears his guns on the outside like Bullet." He goes, "No, nah, Bullet took that from him." Like I've actually read a lot yeah. about Dave Toski. Like he was a very fascinating cop and that's exactly who dirty harry is based on as well so yeah like again in a lesser like i wouldn't say lesser director but like there's another accent to this movie that takes place strictly in the realm of law enforcement now the the difference is and the reason this movie is interesting is because it isn't a traditional detective movie but like robert graysmith takes it upon himself to kind of like become his own like basically solve the case himself like not necessarily yeah. for anyone else, but just for himself. It becomes this like personal mission. It's very interesting how it all unfolds. Well, yeah, and I think that's what I was appreciating more today is it's such a – I still to this day, honestly, other than just the power of Fincher and like people wanting to do what he did, this must have been such an uphill battle to get the green light on this. You know, the script was 200 pages long. A serial killer movie – yeah, that's what – but it's, it's a serial killer movie where – you get so little of that kind of serial killer movie, right? Like right. 
the guys like me who watch a lot of that kind of stuff, this is not that movie, sure. right? <laughs> it's, and especially, <laughs> it's so funny to watch it in the context of today where we're all true crime junkies, right? right. And we, we know all of these procedural things and how evidence is gathered. And so it, it's just, it's this hard, I think it's one of those things in my mind where it's, again, it's having to adjust your your preconceived notion of what you want the movie to be and just sit there and enjoy what it is. Because it is not kind of a, a whore series. It's not Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. It's not about that character. No. Well, it really has very little to do with Zodiac at all. Well, again, like... In my estimation. This, to me, like, the power of the movie and the thing that makes it so fascinating, particularly as not just a detective story, but also just as a movie about a serial killer, is that this is not mm -hmm. about... This isn't Henry. Like, the point of the movie is that... Whoever this was, and again, they've never solved this case, but whoever this might have been, literally for three years running, like, kept, like, it, he son of Sammed the entirety of, like, the San Francisco Bay Area. Like, everyone yeah. was scared. And I don't, like, that's the best part about this movie is it focuses so much on, like, the psychology of the general populace and the psychology of the police officers, psychology right. of the people in the in news. Like, mm. The true nature of what fear can become, like what we're all experiencing now, the true nature of like what mass panic can be is really what's Dude. on display here. No joke. Being in like self-isolation, you know, my wife's a nurse and this and that. So it's a little extra scary for us this time we're in. Right. Uh, watching it in that lens of just this omnipresent thing that none of us fully comprehend and are afraid of was extra terrifying today. <laughs> so I'm with you on that. What I think this movie does so well, too, though, is it walks this really interesting border between... There, there's this kind of banal element to the killings, right? Like, I didn't realize this time, they so take the piss out of what Zodiac is and was. Hmm? And it's always... It, it, every scene, to me, feels like we're just... We're bringing down the myth of what this guy was. And then it's punctuated with an extreme act of violence. Yeah. That it, cause this is the weird thing, right? Like I was thinking about it and there, there are movies where you get like your Hannibal Lecter's or Dexter's a famous serial killer where they catch you. They have a method. They've got their grandiose speeches. Hannibal Lecter right. like can quote any book, you know, all that shit is he's about to eat you. What this movie does in the scenes, like the scene that jumped out at me most was when they're at the lake, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's two couples just out on a picnic. Here's this kind of schlubby guy who looks like he's dressed as the Black Knight from Monty Python. Right. Right? Just this dumb, ill-fitting outfit who's like, hey, tie yourselves up. I'm, I'm serious. And it's just they don't even take it, right? Like, he, I think the guy who, who, as he's getting tied up, the boyfriend's like, hey, man, just before they ask, like, is that gun even really loaded, right? Yeah. And then, so you're doing this whole thing of, they're getting uh, – it's a public park at day. It's going against every kind of horror movie, madman trying to kill you right. concept that your brain wants, right? And what it does, it puts you in this – it reminded me a little bit of what they talk about with the movie Halloween, right? Where what separated Halloween at the time and made it so scary. It wasn't a camp. It wasn't a castle in the middle of the mountains, you know, with lightning strikes everywhere. Michael Myers existed in your home, right. right? In the house that you recognize, killing people that you really could relate to. And so right. 
by putting this omnipresent, you know, killing machine in your home, in your neighborhood, in your small town, it became scarier. And what I think this movie does is that's just a couple out in the middle of nowhere, right? Right. And the whole thing is just Zodiac is kind of a clown, but then he starts stabbing people, and you're like, oh, my God. So the whole scene is dismantling. It's not ratcheting me up with a sense of, like, wow, this is scary. You're just like, what a fucking, right. like, look at this fucking moron. Well, I and think that's... But then when he starts stabbing him, there is this intense moment of violence that kind of snaps you back to, oh, fuck. Right. Well, I think that's, like... It's really interesting, uh, you know, pulling act. Right. I mean, I liked the... I like that, though. Like, I like the lack of mythos surrounding it. Like... Absolutely. To be... To, like, break it down so... To break it down so, like, kind of, like almost uh, academically it's kind of strange like and again so much of this like i was reading a little bit about like james vanderbilt who wrote the script like spent a lot of time like speaking with robert graysmith and pouring over case files so like a lot of the things that happened particularly the crime scenes are very much the letter as they were described by the victims so you know to me the benefit of this movie is a demystifying but you're on to something though when you say omnipresence that to me is probably yeah. that's the thing that actually is the scariest part about the movie. And like, there are three or four scenes in this movie. One of which, when we talk about it legitimately has never stopped being scary to me. And you know, a scene I'm talking about, but like, we'll talk about it. Go Go on it. Omnipresence is such an important thing about this, like entire movie, like from Lake Berryessa to even like, um, the cab scene, which is shot in this awesome, like that, um, Grand Theft Auto style up until like the parking mm-hmm. point. I'm like, this is a really weird choice, but I'll go with it. But honestly, the scariest scene in the entire movie and the thing that I mean, I remember I actually saw this with our friend Preston when we were in college, uh, went to the theater to see this. I looked behind me in the theater because I was so nervous during this scene <laughs> um, when um, it's it's obviously like there's a lot of foreshadowing and a lot of history that you have to know to get to this scene. But basically the scene where Robert Graysmith chases down this gentleman who claims to have worked with the Zodiac or the person that they believe is the yeah. Zodiac. This guy who kept a film canister for the guy who they think is the Zodiac down in his basement. Now, if you live in California, mm. if you live anywhere else but California, you would know this, but California does not have a lot of basements because we have a lot of earthquakes. So this guy's like, yeah, I have it down in my basement. And Robert Graysmith is like, there's not a lot of houses that have basements. And the guy who... I don't know if anyone else has seen the movie uh, uh, Genius on the Disney Channel, but <laughs> he's the like he's the guy who is the other uh, professor who hangs out with the main character of the whole movie. <laughs> he just literally turns to Jake Gyllenhaal and goes, "I do," and fucking walks down, and that sets off like one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Where it's literally just the the heightening of tension, the dark saturation. Now walk, now walk me through this. What about that scene scares you so much? It's honestly just the it's it's the omniscient nothingness. You don't know what's going to happen. You're like, is this guy going downstairs to get murdered right now? Like, you have no idea really. Like, it could be that thing. This guy could just be like a kindly old weirdo, or he could just be like one of the be- one of the most like famous never solved mass murderers in history. Like, yeah. you go down into this basement and, like, you are put – like, for the whole movie, we're kind of, like, put in this position of, like, omniscient narrator where we're just sort of sitting back and watching the case unfold. This is the first time in the movie where we're ever in the driver's seat with Graysmith. 
So to be in his shoes, Jake Gyllenhaal is also phenomenal in this scene, by the way. But to be in the shoes of this character who's like, I'm not a cop. I have no backup. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. I might get murdered. And you're in a basement that's like shot really well. And then like you think about all the things you like, because I think about like at night, even here, like we live in a pretty safe neighborhood and we live in an apartment complex and I hear creaks all, all the time. And I'm like, is that someone in my house? Like I've yeah. legitimately gotten up at least three <laughs> times before and like walked around my apartment. Cause I swear I could hear people walking around. I'm like it's no one in my house. That's like, the level of fear that is instilled in this scene of a movie. Like, so if you've ever had that feeling of like, is someone in my house, that's just in this scene of the movie. And it like, it's really kind of like a great climax of the whole thing because this movie, you're right. Is it does end very like, meh, never solved. You're like, okay, well that sucks. Yeah. And that's the, I think if they had gone for like, Oh, we're going to definitively solve it for right. you and focus a lot more on Lee or, you know, cause that, that was Graysmith. Is that is it Graysmith or Graystone? Graysmith. Whatever. Cartoon Boy. That was his his deal in the books. Is he yeah. fingered, you know, Lee and was like, that's the guy. Yeah. But that's what that, that's kind of the beauty of that scene, right? And why this movie works so well is like you said, all the things you said are set off upstairs. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, here's this lowly old creep. And he's like, Oh, well, we got handwriting, dude. We we got him on the handwriting. He's like, that's my handwriting. Right. And all of a sudden, Jake's like, oh, fuck, fuck, Right, fuck. like the bottom literally drops out. Right, and the old man doesn't go for him. He's like, come to my basement, it feels creepy. And the moment that it really hits for me, right, it's kind of a double impact in that beat, which is, one, Jake Gyllenhaal has all the thoughts you said, right? Like, I'm just some bitch-ass cartoonist. <laughs> I have no gun, no weapons. Right, right. I didn't grab, like, I didn't grab, like, you know, a wooden mallet from the kitchen drawer, nothing. No. But he still fucking went because he has this obsession i must see right. i must look i, I must have find to it know out. right and then what they do is once the guy's like oh yes we did play that movie in may and he slides into the shadow in the shadow covered face is how we always see the zodiac quote unquote right that to me was the moment i was like oh because what they did is they took a guy who now we can see him we don't know they slid him in to the shadow and it's a perfect visual of now he could be zodiac in our minds right, right. and what's extra fucked up is is he runs out of the house and escapes whatever oh, within God, five yes. minutes of movie time i think we're pretty much like oh that was all bullshit like that was all wrong <laughs> it's this other <laughs> right guy. exactly and you're like right. so and that's that's the beauty of that moment is it's this tense fraught oh my god i may have solved it it could have been two killers and just minutes later in movie time they go nah fuck that Right. And that's what was so scary. And that's why you have to adjust. This is not a madman movie. No. But it's what the fear of a madman does to us, right? Right. Cause, and I think what you said, too, is we are in this kind of like – it's a very predatory camera in this movie, right? Right. We are just watching these people who are essentially other Zodiac victims unnamed. Yeah. Right? Every main character we follow's life – is worse off because of their pursuit of the Zodiac. Right. And that, so it turns every scene almost as we just watch these men ruin their lives and marriages and fall apart. It's like, Oh my God, we're watching someone get slowly dismembered by this boogeyman, the Zodiac. It's fucking, I mean, that's what, that's what I latched onto this time is I, I think as a younger audience member, you want the more exciting, thrilling, 
here's the madman, here's the bad guy speech. And that's not that's just not what this movie is, and I think greatly to its benefit. Yeah, I, I think that had there been an ultimate bad guy, that would have really sucked. Yeah. Like, because that's really and they and they did go pretty much like right up to the line of like, we are pretty sure this is the guy, right? And I mean, again, this is like very specifically oh. based on great like because the story is Graysmith's. Obviously, it has to follow his ultimate conclusion, which is that Arthur Lee Allen right. was the Zodiac. Now, that's but this is, this is one more thing before we move on, and this is the absolute brilliance of this setup too. Is uh, God, I can't remember the character's name. Minkus from Boy Meets World, who grows up to become one of the McPoyles. Yeah, Mike, right? Ma- Michael Michael <laughs> Yeah, so Minkus to McPoyle, right? Minkus to McPoyle. When they pull him in, like, yeah, hey, let, let's look at the pictures. Even when he immediately points to Lee, he says, but he had a face like this guy. Points to another one, and the cop's like, are you saying it's... No, 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 I'm saying like him. How sure are you? 80%? But then he's really resolute, right? So that last scene is a perfect capper of we all so desperately want to specifically identify the thing that is most scary to us. Right. Yeah. Right? And that's what this movie is, is watching people just take wild leaps to try to rid the world of a of a faceless evil. Yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Like, I think that's the benefit of it being sort of this like obscurely detective story is really what it's about is, I mean, it does all the things a detective movie is supposed to do, but what it does is take it a step further, I think, and talk about the obsession. Like if you're a detective, like here's the thing, private investigators, detectives, these are people who are not cops. They are Mm -hmm. maybe former police officers, but they are now like work for hire people. So their job (laughs) has to be obsession. So, this movie takes that a step further and be like, what if you're not a cop? What if you're not a PI? What if you're just a guy who wants to know how just far are you willing to in Boy Scout? Yeah. What if you're just a fucking tuned up Boy Scout? So you're going to just like take it all the way to the nth degree. Like your obsession with knowledge is what could kill you in the end. That I think is probably that is what I think is the best. That's a question I have for you, right? Why, 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 why does Graysmith need this so bad? I mean, did I, you ponder that at all in the movie? Like, why did he get caught in the way? I think about it all the time. I mean, like, they bring it up, I mean, effortlessly. Again, this is um, earlier in the movie, they bring up, um, earlier in the movie, the bar scene between him and Robert Downey Jr., who, by the way, Robert Downey Jr. was still on the uptick from, like, kiss kiss bang bang when he did this movie he's fucking amazing in this like it's yeah he's awesome. really good granted i mean like now it's all like old hat we know how robert downey jr does his thing now but like this was early on and he's so good like he's just so yeah, wonderful absolutely so the scene in the bar where they're sitting there drinking their aqua velvas which was hilarious and the- <laughs> Like when he's like, this can no longer be ignored. What is this drink? But like they're sitting there talking about it and he literally is like, what's in this for you? What's the deal? Like, why do you? Yeah, this is good business for everyone everyone, except for you. Except for you. Why? And he's like, he doesn't. God, that's such a fucking bone chilling way to phrase that too. Yeah. And but again, like he doesn't have an answer. Really, like when you think about it, Graysmith doesn't have an answer throughout the movie. He just has to know. Like it's the pursuit of knowledge. So yeah. you have to wonder what is the pursuit of knowledge? Why does it like at the cost of what? Like, think about it. He's went yeah. through when we meet him, he's already divorced. He gets married yeah. again and has babies, and then they she he gets divorced again. Yeah. So 
Throughout the course of his life, he loses so much in the pursuit of the knowledge of who is Zodiac. What is it worth? That, I think, is probably the best part of the unanswered question of this movie, which is nobody really knows. Like, is it worth it? Do you need to have that knowledge? Should you be pursuing this knowledge any further? Like, that the thing is, for us not to have a definitive answer means we get to come on podcasts and talk about what I actually <laughs> think, which is honestly, like, I probably would have said that's not worth it. I think probably like you're either, like right. I'll tell you right now. After I met that fucking guy in his basement, I'd be like, I'm never looking at another fucking thing about Zodiac again, ever. I was like, why not just jump that dude and beat his ass and be like, give me your movie books. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, <laughs> but that's just me. But right, that that's what I think is so fun about watching because it, it is like it almost feels like the movie's about to wrap up. Right, we haven't gotten letters in a while, but and then it almost does a quick reboot. Yeah, and it's almost like we start a shorter, like thirty-minute movie with Jake Gyllenhaal ramping. Up. Oh, totally. And there, there is this. I think that's the part that is so unusual. Watching him is this man who just throw. He's a good guy, right? He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. They they always say that a Boy Scout, right? But he's a fuck up in a lot of other ways, right? Like he's a shitty husband and a shitty dad. It seems like, right? And you know, not that he couldn't be good at those things. He just won't put his time there. Which is the most important part of being a husband and dad. If, you know, we know that. We live that life. I do. Uh, and that's that's the thing I never settled on is he's so determined to do this. Because I was like, it's not just to impress Paul Avery. Because he, you know, that doesn't seem like it by the end. But he just wants that moment where he gets to go stare Lee in the face. Have the police detective say, good job, you figured it out. And stare Lee in the face, knowing full well that he might be wrong and it right. doesn't matter. I mean, that scene but is it, so, so it's, it's this giving every single thing up for a, you know, just like a fucking false trophy at the end yeah. was so it was gut wrenching for me to watch. Honestly, I was just, well, that's, and I think that's, so that's what the movie leaves you is you have to be in the headspace of these three men who lose everything. Yeah. Right. And it's, you know, sometimes it like people are just evil and they get away with it and there aren't, we don't always get the dirty, hairy justice, right? Right. You know, it's just, and I think that's that's a weird place for a movie audience to be in because so few movies of this ilk let it slide like that, right? Yeah. You think know what that, I mean? I think that's probably the most engaging and fascinating thing is that that scene, yeah, you're right, it's gut-wrenching, but that's like the most interesting part about the whole movie is that we get to the end and literally you have to sit there and you say, that's not the answer to this story. Like there is no resolute yeah. answer. Like he just knows in his heart of hearts that that's who he feels is the Zodiac. Yeah. And I was doing some Google research, you know, and, and again, not like deep research, but you know, I, I've looked up this kind of stuff before I dabble in serial killer information. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure based on, you know, a genetic profile, they pulled off one of the envelopes a couple years ago. Like that's not even their main suspect. No, anymore. no, it, it wasn't like him. a lot of the police are like, no, like we still believe, you know, we won't clear him based on that, but pretty much people are like, yeah, that's wrong. Like, you guys got it wrong. You wanted him bad. And right. and that's what's it, – it took me back to that. So you watch this guy give up everything, and then in real life you're on Google, and you're like, fuck, he got it wrong. Yeah. He got it wrong. Right. We watched this whole movie, and, and he, he got it wrong. So Lee escaped the punishment that we wanted him to have, and he might have actually been innocent. Right. You know, he had, like, other crimes, but not this. That means the real Zodiac is still – I mean, that's – the, the movie, I think it's one of those things, right? Like, younger me, super turned off by it. But I think the leaving us in limbo 
perfectly captures what it must have felt like to go through something like this. Because I've, I've never been involved in a, oh, there's a serial killer, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, I, I think the most about, like, Dave Toskey's probably the best character to, like, remain in Linda. Like, Graysmith's going to get – Graysmith got his resolution. The thing I always think about, though, is Dave Toskey, who was a famous police officer. Like, probably – and, like, if you read up on him a little bit, he's one of the only police officers who's, like – he's one of the, like – people who people are based on like Popeye Doyle, like that kind of shit. He's a police <laughs> officer that people base characters for movies on. Cause that's how he was. So like, which is funny. Cause I would argue he's the most boring character in this whole movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, no way. I mean, I think his partner's way more boring, but like, I think that you got me there. Goose <laughs> is way, way Go- more boring. Goose has got problems. <laughs> yeah. They're, like ventures on set. He's like, ah, oh, this Ruffalo character is not popping. Get me Edwards. <laughs> He's like the fixer of, you know, not popping leading. Men. But see, like, but see, here's that's like sort of the thing, though, is like, so from this guy, like, because I think about like Mark Ruffalo is a great actor. Like, I've like before, before he did Marvel movies, he's done other wonderful pieces. Like, and that guy transforms himself a lot of the time. So my question <laughs> is, because this is a guy who went out, met Dave Toski, all that kind of shit. And actually, they. Uh, Ruffalo said in an interview, the thing that's most impressive about Dave Toski is his ability to remember everything from each crime scene. Like he does not, he has basically like a photographic memory. So he knows all these things. So if I'm thinking about that version of Dave Toski as being played by Mark Ruffalo, Dave Toski probably was not a very interesting police officer. He's probably just a good cop. So the version that we get from like dirty Harry is like strictly Clint Eastwood short of like, I don't know. Right. Wearing your gun. Wearing that's your, wearing that's your the way. Yeah. But I mean, the way like, you watch him in this movie is a guy who's so obsessed like that. Right? right. Who can never let it go. Do you think he's probably super fun at a barbecue or do you think he's still like, right, there was three bloody tits in the corner of that room. What does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so it's like, you know, and this is before this is what struck is like. This is before forensics. Right. It's like my friend Nick, like one of his favorite John Mulaney bits is he's like. Do you know how easy it was to get away with crimes like a hundred years ago? He's like, you just had to not be there. <laughs> right. And so like detectives would show up and be like, captain, and this is a Mulaney bit, right? Where he's like, captain, we found a pool of blood and semen. And the captain would go, ew, gross. Wipe that up. Now back to my hunches. <laughs> and that's what this movie was. Right. And so you watch this guy, Ruffalo, who's just hunching it up, right? Doing the work, but you see him fudging at the edges right like trying to get a new handwriting expert trying and it's you just watch this guy who becomes obsessed and he has the line in the movie that i think is my favorite line in the movie and sums this up perfectly which is um gyllenhaal tracks him down outside of court right like yeah now toski's gotten busted down out of homicide because he got accused by internal affairs of writing the zodiac letters himself to drum up press right which we learned later cleared up but Gyllenhaal's just like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, fucking stop. I'm done. Right. You see this like broken guy. He's like, I fucking can't anymore. Probably because it fucking actually hurts him. Right. Right. And he just says the Rick Marshalls of the world will fucking drain you dry. Not fucking. I think I added that. The Rick Marshalls of the world will drain you dry. And that is exactly what this movie is about. Right. Even when they go, because it's kind of, again, it's infuriating in this true crime era to watch parts of this movie. Like when he goes and finds... Betty, whatever fucking name, painting party girl's sister. Yeah. In jail. And it's like, 
No one ever fucking brought her pictures of suspects. She never got to look at a picture of Lee right. and say, yeah, that's him. Like that fucking drove me. I was like, ah! but you're like, that's what it was like for guys like Toski. Right. So you're so committed to the job. But, and that's another thing this movie does exceptionally well is it shows you the, the clunkiness of how that would have happened. Right. Well, I mean, like if you just cross straight lines for four or County line for four crimes, that scene when, uh, you know, Goose I was is just like about to say when he's on the phone and like, yeah, well, Telefax and all oh, yeah. we don't have Telefax. Well, then I'll mail it. Yeah. Then he goes, we really should have been on on this. Oh, well, you know, and I was just you just want to fucking punch a hole in your screen. Yeah, because and again, this movie is always you always have the specter, right? Because it's one of those movies, too, where we have so much extra real world information that we know all of this is for nothing that when you see Anthony Edwards trying to fucking get this task force going, you're like. Oh my God! You had to do that job, and it didn't lead you to jack shit. Like it's so stressful right. to watch. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the best. I again, this movie does such a good job of the detecting. Like it's about the detecting, and like honestly, the failure of it a lot of the time. Like yeah. I think that's something that is also some almost exclusively failing. Well, that's the fuck. And up I part. think that's something that people forget a lot of the time because we now live in this era of. You know, like we're not living this era. I'm sorry, that's a stupid generalization. But like, we like a happy ending. We like, you know, we like a bow on top. That's part of life. Like everybody wants a. Good- we want the bad guy to be caught. We want the hero's journey. Of course, and I think that's the best part about like this one, as particularly detective movies in general. The ones that I like don't end like that. Like I like detective movies that our detectives don't get like a resolute ending out of it. Like things don't necessarily go exceptionally well for these guys. And also a lot of great detective movies have people who are terrible at being detectives. A lot of the time, like nearly garbage, like look, Brendan, and <laughs> Brendan and brick might be one of the worst detectives of all time, mainly because he's in because high school. He's 16. Right, of course. Yeah. He just got his first pubes and he's like, Oh man, it's hard to detect with all this extra itching I have to do with my crotch. <laughs> like we're no longer in that, but this is great because it is about how exceptional people who, you know, I mean, what Paul Avery was a f- infamous writer for the Chronicle. Uh, Dave Toski, famous famous detective. Robert Graysmith, now famous writer, but no nothing cartoonist mm-hmm. for a long time, and then. All of these men not only like became so obsessed with this that it literally destroyed them, but on top of all that, like it it became such a, it became such a huge part of their lives that not only to destroy them personally, but to destroy their careers in the eyes of other people. Like other people yeah. stopped wanting to work with them simply because that was how they were known. Like I don't know about Gray Smith; he was a cartoonist. I'm sure he was fine for quite mm-hmm. a long time, but nevertheless. Imagine being a guy who writes I mean, a book. He lost his job in the movie as we're watching him like on the case. He lost his cartoonist right. job. Well, ima- <laughs> imagine being. Yeah. I mean, and not only that, the thing that I always think about, particularly regarding that last scene, and it's interesting you bring it up with him going into the hardware store and seeing Arthur Lee Allen is like, imagine being the guy who writes a book and says, I'm accusing this person based on evidence that I've collected. Like mm-hmm. that is still a scene where I just, and I agree it's gut wrenching, but I just cannot fathom being that person. Like, it's just, it's shocking to me. Well, I mean, it's the, it's, 
it's the thing this movie does where it turns our our detectives right our heroes into the kind of predatory serial killer mindset he is tracking down his prey the same way that zodiac would right. maybe even more so right and so at the end he has chosen his victim the one that will you know give him the you know get his rocks off like serial killers pick people because it you know fills whatever there are, you know, the three or four, right? There's the the torture, the power. There are different kinds of serial killers, right? Right. And so their victims fulfill this psychological need, right? And so Lee becomes that for Robert. Right. And so it doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. He has gotten the psychological hard-on that he is so desperately chasing in the movie. And that is a really terrifying admission of the movie. Right. Is that You know, which is all these guys so desperately want it to be one guy. And even as the audience who now knows that, you know, the genetics have also not, you know, implicated this guy. Every piece of evidence you want right. to say this guy probably did it. And your guys old timey handwriting and thumbprints were bullshit. They've still never been able to find anything to link this guy to it. I actually yet. I think there's I a still new... can't fathom that no one has seen pictures of this and said, uh, I was also at the painting uh, orgy party <laughs> and that was him like. It feels like I found a picture of Lee online or what you're like, it's not, it's crazy to me, right? but this is where we're at. So knowing that they didn't catch him, right. And that that might not be him and Zodiac still out there. Now we are watching these guys just kind of torture this guy who, you know, is maybe fucked up, right? He was a diddler. So he's not a good guy, but you know, he lives in a trailer full of fucking squirrels, whatever that was. So you're like, you know, not doing great. <laughs> His own family's trying to get him arrested. And they're like preying on him now in this yeah. extra, you know, he made a mistake. So now he's in the system kind of turnaround. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, I think that's, that's what becomes fascinating, right? Well, I mean, Cause that the scene to me that nails it home is, is Paul Avery in his boat, right? When he shows up and he seems happy to see Robert. But immediately it brings back the Zodiac shit. Yeah. And I think he says it. He's like, he was just a guy that killed a couple people, wrote a couple letters, and faded into history as a footnote. And you see Avery in that moment saying, fuck, I lost everything because of this guy. And he's a victim of a death threat. Yeah. Right? And then he found a body. He, he It was traumatic on top of his substance abuse problems. But you see him now despising himself that this is what he gave it up for yeah right he sees the zodiac as a not worthy cause and it's it's strange that a movie does that to us says the the boogeyman of our movie is just a guy who killed a couple people I, like that's but that that's is what a crazy is. scene in this that's movie. the that's a great scene in the movie because it does sum up what this is like it's about the boogeyman it's about yeah it's about obsession and about the worst though it's the it's the worst instincts we have on display you know especially as people yeah. like you think about that you know yeah but that's that's what's crazy i was thinking about this as i was watching it's like it happens to me almost every time like i get so amped when i see a new serial killer documentary right like I still am like, where's the amazing John Wayne Gacy movie? Right? You know, like, I've seen some on YouTube. You know, what's interesting. There's every actually, time I see these guys, there's a Zodiac series on Netflix right now about a guy who claims that he knew the Zodiac. Yeah. Well, there's a guy who said it was his dad and the pictures like yeah. fucking bang on dead on, man. But yeah. but you you look at these serial killers and I'm always like, oh, yeah, man, fucking, you know, the Dahmer files. I turn it on and you're like, oh, he only killed like, you know, some people. And it's so crazy how our minds are like, 
oh, he only killed 13 people. Yeah. <laughs> you say that yeah. and you're like, huh, you're almost disappointed. Cause you're like, oh, he's not as bad a guy as I thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, <laughs> I mean, like, that's <laughs> it's crazy. But that's how it is, is we look at that and we're like, huh. not like, like if you met a guy and he's like, yeah, I cold bloodedly cut someone's head off. You'd be like, holy fuck, I got to get out of here. This is the worst guy in the universe. Right. But from afar, we just hear like, oh, he killed. He has five. Conf- they have five people they think the Zodiac actually killed. Right. And I remember being like, wow, the Zodiac's that big of a deal. He killed five people. And that is what is fucking crazy about this story. And the movie does a good job of like, you know, here's the radio talking about Zodiac. Right. Here is this talk show doing their Zodiac segment. Right. And they, they turn it into this fucking mad circus, you know, and it it makes him so big that it actually kind of shrinks what he did. Yeah. In a, Again, a macabre way, right? Well, it's scary to think that five people isn't that many. Well, but that's how our it is. Work. But like, again, the like I was saying earlier, like the fear that it instilled in the yeah. world, like the small world of like the San Francisco Bay itself. That's the real like. That was the real danger. That's the real thing that it did was it scared the shit out of enough people. Like, I mean, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal has that great scene where after they he like they don't put the letter in the um, Chronicle, but the letter where he says, I'm going to pick off the little kitties as they come off the bus. Like, oh, yeah. Where he runs up to the school was right before he goes like, I, I'm going to drive him today. I'm going to drive. Him. It's fine. Like that. Yeah. I mean, that's what it Every is. Every like, day fear. It's about instilling fear and it's about the fear that grips us about the mass panic that it can cause in general. Like that's really kind right. of that's really kind of like the thing that made that made the Zodiac himself uh, interesting. Not the amount of people he killed; he just simply threatened it a lot. I think the reason this yeah. movie is so well, he interesting, took credit for all these fucking other crimes right. too that we know he didn't do. Right. Again, the movie showing us behind the scene dismantling him as this great boogeyman. Right. I mean, I think the thing about the thing that makes this movie to me. Because again, I agree with Guillermo del Toro. This for me is one all an all timer. Like I've always enjoyed this movie, and I, even at two and a half hours, I'm still like enraptured, which is pretty shocking these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is that I like. This is such a great convalescence of all these great pieces of filmmaking. Like David Finch is a great director. You have a great cast. You have a great summary of your mission, which is simply to tell like a story about obsession. That's really kind of like what this yeah. ends up being about. So to me, I think like Zodiac is Zodiac stands alone in the way that it approaches from our for our for our purposes, the detective story, but Mm -hmm. also does a really good job of, again, demystifying who the Zodiac was, but more who the Zodiac became for other people. Right. Right. Well, you see that we've created this boogeyman and you see people whose lives are ruined by it. As you watch society move past it and not give a fuck. Yeah. It's a, it's a, this weird stacking of we should be really scared, but they're making us more scared than we should be. These guys know how dangerous it is. They want to solve it. Um, but San Francisco moved forward, man. Like after, you know, four years, they're like, yeah, all right. Like he's a footnote. Yeah. And I was thinking about this because <laughs> I think today might have been the day that maybe this was just the right environment for me to finally like, oh, it's all kind of clicking for me more. But it's, you know, you're reading online. Like, we're all kind of trying to self-isolate a lot. Like, movie theaters are shut down, restaurants. Like, we're in a really weird, unprecedented, scary moment, right? Like, I've been alive for 35 years, and I don't remember anything like this, right? Like, 
No. Where the whole world is just saying, we're shutting the fuck down. Yeah. Right? Whether it's been weather or, you know, when we were I, – I thought I was getting drafted when 9-11 happened. I was a Midwestern kid, a senior in high school, and I was like – well, I'm getting drafted into World War Three. That's just what I remember thinking, like trying to get amped up. Like, all right, we're going to war. Fuck yeah. But even that life moved on, you know, within a couple weeks. And like even that day, you were still able to go to the movies right. and shit. I think. But like, I remember them pulling the Spider-Man trailer out of the movie theater yeah. I worked at. And you're like, that was crazy. This is so much more. Yeah. And what it struck for me today is that this is not a serial killer madman movie. This is contagion. Yeah. That's what this movie is. Zodiac is this unknown thing that's scary. Like, you can get online today and people are like, I'll be fine. It doesn't matter because I won't get killed. Like, oh, man, we might lose a couple thousand people. Like, I've heard people saying that online. Like, well, coronavirus might, like, 2%? Come on. And you're like, fuck, dude. In 9-11 and those, you know, attacks, I think we lost less than 3,000 people. But I don't remember it as like, oh, that's not very much. I remember it as like, the day that my life changed forever, right? Like there was an after 9-11 life I was leading. Right. And that's how people talk about that and Zodiac and this, you know, Corona scare is like, that's not very much. It doesn't affect me. I don't care. And that's what made it so scary to me today is you see these guys that they can't shake it as the rest of us don't give a fuck. Right. And the fact that Zodiac was just out there. And after the four-ish year span of this movie – probably was still out there right he might have been incarcerated he might have died he might have just gone on to like just be among us yeah this fucking thing that we were so scared of and that's the scene in the movie too that struck me as the most haunting is when he asked the cab to drive him to a rich neighborhood to kill the cab driver you know seemingly to throw off the pattern right kind of a creepy that's a weird thing to do anyways but the way he just fucking walks off into that neighborhood he just fucking walks off. He's he, and again, that takes it back to Halloween. That's you, uh, your neighborhood, right? The, uh, yeah. the movie's saying that's where you live, and that guy just fucking strolled down your street and into the night, and we he might still fucking be there. And that's what I don't know. Today, like everything just clicked. Here. The movie became way more scary for me today than it has been in the past, and I think it's just that you know maybe I just needed to shift my brain a little bit. Um. Yeah, I, I, I still can't, to this day, I can't peg where the disconnect for me is. You know, why I don't love it as much as everyone else. I appreciate it so much. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I don't know many don't people know. who, the, like, people who know this movie love it. Again, I, I don't know many people who, yeah. there's a lot of people who don't know this movie exists still, which is weird to me. Because David right. David well, Fincher's <laughs> become, like, such an important director and such a big yeah. deal. I actually think this is his best movie. There's a lot of people who think it's the social network and a lot of other a lot of other movies. I like seven. Seven. Seven is also very good. And actually, did you I didn't know this. David Fincher was the only choice to direct this movie because of seven. All right, it makes sense. Which makes a lot of but sense. But that's that that makes sense. When you watch that in like Mindhunter, you're like, that's him giving me the serial killer where I get the bad guy. Right. And I think he's so good at that that you're like, I want seven again. And that's just not what this flick is, man. It's not what it is. And it's weird because, you know, like, I don't think my mom would remember this movie or care. I know she saw it, but I'm sure it's not like a movie she'll ever think about again. Right. But, you know, we travel in, like, film circles. We do a film podcast. We went to film school. We work in the industry. So, like, we know the people that are upset. And those people talk about this movie, like you said, all-timer. Yeah. 
And so that's why it's always I hate when people love movies and I'm just like, I don't. Why? Like, why? And Zodiac's been on that list for me for a long time. Today, I got a lot more out of it than I than I ever have. But yeah, I mean, there's just there are just scenes that are really much more haunting to me today than they've ever been. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like even the first scene, right? Like him just driving up on Minkus and what's her name? Girl who's willing to sleep with Minkus, right? <laughs> so you're like, yeah, already they're making bad choices. That's classic horror movie. You make bad, dumb choices, you get murdered. And there is just this, it's just so plain and simple, right? He just rolls up. He just has a flashlight and he just starts fucking shooting them out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And you're like, that is, that to me, wasn't scary in the past because i'm more used to like a classic bad guy but today i was like fuck man what if that just happened to you oh yeah what if you were just p- parked like i you know i grew up in the midwest and you know my parents weren't about to be like ha, ha, use your room to go slap some titties around <laughs> <laughs> you scamp so like that's what we did you'd go park in cars and like you know try to try to get down and you're like fuck that could have been us yeah a thousand times and yeah i think that's the thing this movie does is it it lulls you into this you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Punctuated with holy fuck back to guys trying to solve it and people not caring. It's, and I think that's the, I think that's what's ca- scary is it makes the tear something that's just in the air. Well, it makes it real. I mean, again, like yeah. that can yeah. happen, like the way that that happens. It's not churched up movie stuff. That absolutely yeah. probably, I mean, Given the amount of research that was done for this movie, that's probably almost exactly how that happened. Like, probably 95% exactly how that happened, which makes it that much more scary. Like, there's no music in those scenes. It's simply Mm -hmm. a murder. And, like, the starkness of it, that is what really haunts you. Yeah. And, again, like, seeing him in his schlubby, like, you know, Black Knight from Monty Python costume punctuated with, oh, my God, he stabbed that person, like, 15 times. Yeah. You know, those that's what I mean. It's 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 such real fear. And imagine back then they didn't have social media to stay worked up. Like you can say like our our cycles are faster, right? Sure. Like a school shooting happens and we're all revved up and like two days later we don't care. But in this it's you know, they didn't have constant media all the time. Right. You know, like once the news stopped covering it, gone. Gone. You know, so I don't know how much more afraid they were back then than now. I would assume more. But, man, I don't know. That's what that's what dawned on me is that that Paul Avery moment to me really fucked me up today. He's just a guy who killed a couple people, wrote a couple notes, and faded into a footnote in history. Like, that's a fucking terrifying summary of what that guy, one of the guys who was most in on this case, knows more about it than most people, that's how he summarized this thing that we still mythologize and are making a movie about. It's the cost of obsession. Yeah, man. It's oh, that that really fucked me up today. That really fucked me up. But that's all right. We know who did it. Read it in our best selling novel. The pod doesn't take the case and not do the legwork. No, just kidding. We absolutely didn't. All right, guys, that's it for Zodia. Actually, I should ask. Do you have anything else? Nope. Anything else that struck at, stuck out to you? You need to nope. Get to? It's on Netflix. Please go watch it. It's very good. That's right. All right, guys. So again, that wraps up Zodiac. Uh, the pod is still on the case though for one more week. The greatest detective movie of all time: The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. 
Uh, very important to my personal backstory. Uh, you know, being a chicken pox survivor, locked in a bedroom eating ketchup, a uh, hot dog and mac and cheese bowls, not being able to play, and just watching The Golden Child for like three days in a row, eight hours a day. Very personal to me, but it's the best detective movie, and I'm going to lay out a case for you uh, next I mean, week. Sounds, that's our final. I mean, given the lockdown we're on, it sounds like you just laid out the case right there. <laughs> that's so weird. When I watch it to prep for this show, I will be as close to I yeah. was as a chicken pox. You better eat. Ke- you better eat ketchup, uh, hot dogs, and mac and cheese, man. Yeah, we used to make Kraft mac and cheese. Cut up two hot dogs, drop that in a bowl, cover it in ketchup, mix it all up. You know. Po folk food. That's what we used it to eat. It was delicious. It was delicious, though. It was delicious. Not as delicious as the Golden Child, though. And I'll be doing that uh, next week. Uh, guys, we're also going to be recording uh, The Invisible Man. That is going to be on demand this Friday. Universal making the enormous decision to release some of their now playing in theater movies as uh, video on demand rentals Friday. So, you know, if you want to watch Invisible Man, you can still do that. And we want to talk through it with you. I saw it and fucking loved it. So we're going to do that. We've got some other stuff. Who knows? Maybe uh, now that we're shut in, maybe next month we'll do two themes for us. Who knows how much entertainment we're going to need. Uh, But again, guys, you can always reach out to us, man. We're here for you. uh, And we're here to talk movies. And I know it's fucking scary out there. And I know Zodiac's a fucking scary movie in this time. But, you know, I think we're all going to pull together and get through this, man. We'll be okay. As always, leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. Find us on Nerd Alchemist on YouTube. That's plural with an S at the end. Uh, And, you know, hit us up, guys. Are there movies that you want to hear covered while you're in lockdown? Give us a theme. We'll we'll try to do that for you. Yeah. Hit us up with a theme, a double feature, uh, things you found on your apps or on video on demand. We'll get there. We watch movies. We Ooh, like that. Also, for those of you who do not have Shudder, Shudder's offering a free subscription for 30 days while you're in lockdown. Get right. on code that. Code shut in, I believe. The code shut is shut in. in. Just go to tw- just go to Shudder and uh, log in. Use the code free subscription for 30 days. Get on it. It's awesome. Just another example of why that is the best app. Uh, so get that. All right, guys. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh. I'm Alex Dandino.